What does it mean to invest? At Blackstone, investing is about more than just capital. It's backing visionary entrepreneurs and business leaders, accelerating the growth of their companies, even helping one achieve her mission of empowering women, supporting scientists discovering life-saving treatments by investing in research and building better labs, and helping companies reduce emissions to create a more sustainable future. At Blackstone, investing is about accelerating growth for good. Learn more at blackstone.com slash beyondreturns. It's been a year since my sister Callie died. Now I can't sleep because every time I close my eyes, Callie's there to wake me up. The insomnia's gotten so bad, I'm not sure what's real anymore. There's a shadow living inside my head. It's angry, and I don't think I can stop it. My name is Harper Hart, and I'll see you in your nightmares. Journey into your own subconscious and listen to See You in Your Nightmares now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Lilia Luciano, the host of El Flow, a podcast about reggaeton. In this podcast, we're going to hear from iconic reggaeton artists and take you backstage into all the conflict and drama that helped shape reggaeton. It's a story that includes war, drugs, censorship, sex, of course, perreo, my grandmother, and hell, even the CIA. Listen to El Flow on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Record Store Society, a production of iHeartRadio. And then her solo album, she went into the traditional song structures again. It's a conspiracy. (laughs) Oh, hey, hi. Uh, Welcome to our record store. I'm Seth. This is Tara. And that's uh, JJ back there on the register. Have a look around. (laughs) Feel free to hang out and uh, just give us a shout if you need anything. All right. Anyway, Kim Gordon. Uh, Also, did you know that the dudes that produced her new album also recently sued Lizzo? Those were the same guys? Those were the same guys. The ones that claimed that they, like, co-wrote uh, Truth Hurts. Those are the no, same guys. No, I'm mad at them. Me I too. I like everyone is suing Lizzo. I-, I need to do more research on this, but here's all I know. When I got that new Kim Gordon album, I thought to myself, hey, who did you work with on this? I was going through the liner notes and stuff, and I was like, who are these dudes I keep seeing? I think they both have the same last name. They were, like, brothers. And then suddenly I saw their names in the news all everywhere because they were trying to sue Lizzo. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's the strangest thing. Feel... Oh, hey. Hey, look, it's Annie. Uh, hey. Oh, hey, guys. <laughs> hey, Annie. Hi. How's it going? Um, Annie, I, I don't know if JJ or Tara know you, but Annie works over at Paste. She does, like, all the social media stuff. Uh, but uh, also, I'm sure the reason why she's here, she does uh, album reviews and things like that. And uh, as, as a fellow vegan, she writes up a lot of vegan things. Like That's really cool. Reviews yeah. for restaurants and food planning things and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, lots of lots of fun vegan stuff. <laughs> it's fun to be a be- vegan, right? It, it is these days. Yeah, it, honestly. It was a long time where it was a very sad, sad thing, and you it's felt true. left out. <laughs> There's so many choices for us now. We're really living in the future. Absolutely. <laughs> There's been this thing. Oh, I forgot who said it. Someone was talking about like the, the new concept of being a fat vegan is like a thing now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's possible in today's future. Yeah, it's, absolutely. I mean, you're either vegan to be healthy or for ethical reasons. Right. And if you're an ethical vegan, most of them you'll meet are arguably 
arguably some of the most unhealthy people because <laughs> yes. it's like Oreos and, you know, Sour Patch Kids and all the things that are accidentally vegan. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, so what brings you into the store today? All right. So I'm really into Dark Wave, and I heard the new Drab Majesty album oh. recently, the new um, Black Marble record that came out last week. No, not last week, two weeks ago. But I need more of that. Like, I just need, like, the darkest, heaviest sense and, like, you know, the finger-picking guitar that's right on top of it. That's basically, you know, the cure, but for our age. (laughs) (laughs) That album, that new Drab Majesty album, blew my fucking mind. It it made me so comfortable. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I I reviewed that one for Paste, and that was actually... Uh, my very first album review for oh, them. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah, I've, I've been working there forever. But albums are hard to review because you're basically justifying someone's art, you know? Oh, and yeah. It's, you don't want to do that as someone that doesn't make music. Like, why do I have a say of, like, if it's good or not? But that album, I was like, mm, I need to review this. So I reviewed it, and it was awesome. And it's- I, I have so many questions about your review process now. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> all right. So, so first of all, what is your scale? Do you actually put a number or anything on it? Yeah, so we do it out of 10 points, just like Pitchfork, just like mm-hmm. Stereo Gum, all of the, the bigger publications. Do you include the points? Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, the points are important. Yeah. Because, you know, like, something is a 7, but if it's a 7.2 versus a 7.9, like, that's a that's big, big difference. Yeah. 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 Well, then sure. I have to know, what did you give the new Drab Majesty? Oh, God, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> but I think, I think it was an 8.2. Oh, I'd, I'd agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I think it was an 8.2. It wasn't yeah. something that I found to be necessarily groundbreaking, but uh-huh. it didn't need to be. Um, It was exactly what I wanted from them. And it told a story. So it was the um, narcissist um, story from, you know, Greek mythology. I didn't notice that at all. Oh, well, listen to it again. I'm I'm I'm, I'm like 0% a lyrics person. Yeah. Like I never notice lyrics. They have to be either particularly good or particularly bad or I will never notice a lyric. I only notice them like probably after I've given that whole album a few few once-overs. Yeah. Yeah, like. Got to listen to it a few times first. Nice. Yeah, with this one in particular, like, they did such a good job of telling the story but in their own way. And it was from the perspective of not narcissists. It was from the sprite character that's in love with him. So it's it's fascinating. If you actually read the lyrics and then go back and pretend you're in school again and read the mythology, it's yeah. it's like a mirror image. That's so cool. Ironic. <laughs> get it? Get yes. it? <laughs> that was <laughs> solid. <laughs> I'm here all day, right? <laughs> just kidding. It's a record store. I'm not here all day. <laughs> you might as well be. People just come in here to hang out. It's, it's true. fun. <laughs> I mean, so so what, we're getting into like the whole idea of dark wave. Yeah. And also modern dark wave. Mm-hmm. Let's let's first let's like define our terms, okay? Because okay. like I know genres are nonsense, yes, but they're the kind of nonsense that's fun to talk about, yes. Like like you know people just like to say words like witch house and jizz jazz mm-hmm. and third wave ska. <laughs> like, One of my coworkers <laughs> today was like, "Do you remember the first time you said chill wave?" Yes, <laughs> and I was like, mm, "Yeah, neon Indian, like ten years ago." <laughs> totally, no, no. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but chill wave is having a real resurgence these oh, days. It is. I yeah. know. Wild. Yeah. Absolutely wild. I think, like, the kids who were, like, birthed on Chill Wave mm-hmm. are just now getting to, like, adult age. Yeah. And now they're just like, hey, y'all remember this? Yeah, Macintosh exactly. Plus, right, kids? Right. <laughs> and everyone's having a good time. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> but but so, so speaking of genres and talking about Dark Wave in particular. Yes. 
Here's my image of dark wave. And you tell me if either of you agree or disagree with this, okay? So there's post-punk, mm -hmm. right? And post-punk, I would consider like, let's say Joy Division is mm -hmm. like a, a perfect example of post-punk. Yes. And then we have The Cure, which yes. I would call, I guess I would call them dark wave, but they're almost just like straight new wave. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But mm -hmm. they're they're, both of them I think are kind of overlapping where dark wave exists. Yeah. Where I would put like Bauhaus. Yes. Would either of you agree or disagree agree with this with nonsense? That. I agree with it. I mean, what we consider dark wave today does come out of post-punk. Mm -hmm. um, there are a lot of overlaps in the genre, as you right. said. Um, and especially today in comparison to what they were doing in the early 80s, which it's all influenced by, let's be real. Right. It's kind of amazing how they've built upon so many different things to get to where it is now. Because now, I mean, you could consider some dark wave to be synth pop. Yes. Honestly. Yeah. Just really not even sad, but just like not happy synth pop. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Well, and also I think when synth pop gets sad, mm -hmm. it suddenly turns into dark wave. Yeah. Like, um, do either of you listen to the band uh, The Drums? Yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the last, like, three or four albums. Well, I'll, I'll be more – I'll be – more specific. I think the last two or so albums, he's been getting, Johnny Pierce, the lead singer, has mm -hmm. been getting sadder and sadder. Yeah, I mean, even in and the early stuff, what was the the lyric of best friend is literally, you're my best friend, but then you died. Like, yeah, yeah he's been sad for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel like when he's sad, it's like dark wave. Mm -hmm. And when he's happy, it's like synth pop. Yeah. And so he kind of like straddles both, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I mean, the cool thing about it is... If you're not listening to the lyrics, half the time you think you're listening to a happy song. And yes. then you listen to the lyrics and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, the thing I like most about Darkwave is that I like depressing music because mm -hmm. it's just the way I live my life apparently. Yeah. But like when you're sitting around <laughs> listening to like Nick Drake or something mm -hmm. or like Elliot Smith, you're going to curl up in a little ball and you're going to be like, okay, I'm sad. And yeah. This is me like cocooning for a little bit. Oh, yeah. But – when you listen to Dark Wave, it's like an energizing mel melancholy, yeah. mm -hmm. you know? It makes you want to get up and go do. Yeah, so. it's like I'm so mad, I'm so upset, but I'm dancing and I feel okay. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Good coping mechanism. <laughs> yep. um, do either of you listen to the band Preoccupations? <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I love Preoccupations. Is Preoccupations post-punk? Or dark wave. I would uh, consider them post punk. Yeah. I feel like, uh, um, man, I just chunked them into the indie bucket and call it a day. <laughs> it's a big bucket. <laughs> it, is, it is a big bucket. But I, I love them too. Yeah. And they, I think, depending upon their mood and their output, like I feel like, especially back when they were still known as Viet Cong, mm -hmm. they were like a hundred percent post punk. Oh yeah. And as they've been moving closer and closer to what is now preoccupations, yeah. I feel yes. like they're getting more and more dark wave. Yeah. I I, I think that the difference there is they don't really – I mean, they do synthesizers every now and then, but I don't think that their music is based in synth. Yeah. Um, they remind me a lot of um, the band Shame. I don't mm. know if you're familiar mm -hmm, with Shame mm -hmm. or Ott. I don't know if you're familiar with I do with remember Ott. Yeah, now, now, is Ott gone? Ott is not gone. Interesting. Ott put out an excellent record last year. Same with Preoccupations. Yeah. I'll, um, I'll is that the one with Throw the Body in the – whatever it's called? Swamp or something. I don't know. It's a good song. <laughs> it's dark. It's really dark. Know, yeah, nice. yeah. But I mean, I see that, you know, that's almost like wire. You know, mm -hmm, it's yeah. definitely rooted in old school post punk, almost no wave in a weird oh, way. 
I love the word no wave. It's it makes so me good. so happy. <laughs> it's so, like, what is it? Because now we can start talking about liars. Yeah. <laughs> you know? uh, have, have either of you seen that documentary, uh, Kill Your Idols? Um, no, I, I have not, but... At um, Chomp and Stomp one year, my boyfriend's chili team was Chill Your Idols. Oh, that's fun. Because <laughs> it's chili. That's you know. really yeah. good. <laughs> that is good. At your soonest convenience, both of you, both Tara, both Annie. Hey, JJ, have you ever seen Kill Your Idols? I haven't. Okay. All three of you, please <laughs> watch Kill Your Idols as soon as possible. JJ, Tara, Annie, I have the DVD. If you need to borrow it, let me know. <laughs> I don't know if I have it. a DVD player. Oh, this comes up so often. <laughs> oh, wait, I might not either. Uh-oh. I mean, this is, okay, now we're going to move it from movies back to music again. <laughs> Something I hear so often these days from people who love music, like all of this us here in this room, I hear the phrase, I don't own a CD player so often now. I'm not here to judge. I'm literally asking just as like a as like a census taker, JJ, Tara, Annie, do any of you not have a CD player? I mean, anywhere. I have one in my car. That's something. Same. Yeah. Something. JJ, how about you? I have a few CD players. Okay. I once recently bought a friend of mine who loved music, uh, just a CD that I really enjoyed. It wasn't out in any other format. So I was like, oh, hey, hey, check out this album. I think you'll really enjoy it. And he was like, how am I supposed to listen to this? I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a CD. And he's like, yeah, I, how am I supposed to listen to it? And I'm like... I know it's your birthday and all, but I don't know what what more I can do for you about this. But <laughs> yeah. I, it's kind of it's it's odd. It's I mean it is, but it it is also not odd. I think for younger generations because mm-hmm. CDs don't really exist in their world. For instance, I have I have a good example, and sure. it's on topic Hit because me. it's about New Order. Uh-huh. So New Order did a live show and they put it on an album, and it's a double CD. Absolutely amazing. And my coworker, one of our music editors, got in the mail to, you know, listen to whatever. And she was like, I don't have a CD player. And I got it because mm. I have a CD player in my car. Yeah. And I think that, that it's it's not abnormal to not have a CD player, but I find it to be useful to have one just oh, in case. Absolutely. You never know. You no, never I, know. I mean, like, trust me, I don't have too many CD players. <laughs> but at a certain point, I had to go to the store. Well, is eBay a store I can go to? <laughs> I went to eBay, and I was like, hey, give me a uh, – I need a cassette deck, CD deck combo. And mm-hmm. I got, like, a nice, like, Tascam, like, radio station boom machine, and that's covered me for a very long time. Because mm-hmm. in particular, it's when people put out things exclusive to one format where it's like, hey, this is cassette only. Hey, this is CD only, etc. I never want to miss out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I guess I need to have a – cassette player and I need to have a CD player and I need to have a record player. The only thing that's never come up, I've never owned anything that plays Atrex. Never. So hopefully that won't come up because I don't want to invest in that. No, but. yeah. That's... I could see them coming back like as a trendy thing a couple years yeah. from now. Yeah. Like, I mean, some bands definitely like have cassettes at their shows. Oh, and sure. Stuff. Yeah. And I I don't, that's one thing I don't have as a tape player. Oh. So yeah. I've never purchased one. But I mean, they sell them, so someone's got to have them. Oh, you, I, I've got them. I, yeah, I, I, I love them. In, in particular, here's a great reason. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. At the Mr. Twin Sisters show, uh-huh. they gave or they were selling um, USBs with like radio shows that they made. So I definitely had to get one of those. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Did you listen to it? I haven't listened to it yet, but I listened to the radio shows after they were released. Awesome. They put them online later. So I have listened to them, but not on the USB. That's so but cool, But I still though. have it. I mean, just out of curiosity, <laughs> yeah. what were they selling those for? 
Like, I mean, price-wise. Merch. Oh, I don't I don't know. I think I actually got that one for my birthday from their online. Oh, gotcha. So, okay, yeah. okay, interesting. Because, I mean, like, that's another big question, which is, like, what do you actually charge for these things anymore? Yeah, I, I want to say it was, like, 10 or 15. It wasn't that much. 10 makes sense. Uh, it might have been, like, 7 even. 7 yeah. to 15 in that range. I follow you. I follow you. <laughs> that I mean, seems it, reasonable. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I literally paid... $50 for a CD today, and I feel like an idiot, but... What CD was it? So there's a musician I really like named Diane Cluck, okay. and uh, she's very singer-songwriter folky. I believe she's out of Virginia these days, and she's not on, like, a label or anything, and she's very just kind of, like, very DIY in every mm-hmm. regard. Like, she's part of that, like, anti-folk scene from New York back in the day, like okay. the Jeffrey Lewis, Moldy Peaches era. Like, yeah. like she was part of that I scene. I haven't heard about the Moldy Peaches in a long time. Wow. Oh, it's <laughs> Blast just, from the past. And it's, again, it's just fun <laughs> to say genres, like anti-folk. Yeah, it's just truly. fun to say these words. I'm just going to say third wave ska again, <laughs> just for oh fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's a part of that scene. And, yeah, she's not on a label. So she put out, like, this thing on her website just being like, hey, I'm going to put out this album and pay me what you want to pay me. And then I'll put it out. The more you pay me, hopefully the better I can do. Thanks. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I want you to do great because I really like your music and I want as much as I can from this. How much can I spare for a CD? And, like, I had to think long and hard. And to me, in my in my gut, I was like, I love you $50. <laughs> you know? Like, that's how much I like your I music. I think that's a lot of love. I think so, too. I do like her a lot. Yeah. Like, she's one of my favorite, like, live performers I've ever seen. She's very good live. Nice. I'll have to remember that name. She's fun. So I'm not much of a modern dark wave synth pop gal. I'm more of a, like, the 80s kind of gal dark wave. But I do hardcore love Boy Harsher. Oh, my gosh. Have you ever seen them live? Not yet. I was supposed (laughs) to go to the show, the last one, at Terminal West. Yes. Something I happened. There. I couldn't go. I can't remember what happened or if I was out of town or something. But because I couldn't go and I really wanted to, I went on to their store and bought one of their T-shirts like I went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no. Boy Harsher, I mean, they're local-ish. They're from Savannah. So they're, they are SCAD grads, I believe, or oh, SCAD attendees. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're absolutely incredible. For the amount of noise they make for just two people, it's out of this world. I've seen them twice. Both shows, I left a complete sweaty mess. It's just, <laughs> they're they're incredible. Yeah, and related to that, I think um, they put out some albums on this label, which is drawing, oh, I'm drawing a blank on now, but um, Twins, my friend Matthew Weiner owns mm-hmm. the label, and oh. so he put out their records, but he just put out an album as Twins, that which is not said, um, and it's also amazing. Yeah. Very, very dark, more electronic-y. It's, it's awesome. You should cool. check it out. Yeah, they, I mean, they don't have instruments on stage. They just have electronics. And so I, anything like that, I'm like, yes, that's so cool. You know, I makes say, me feel like I'm yeah. at Bergen or something, like, you know, <laughs> in Germany. <laughs> I want to say his label is CGI Records or something like that, hmm. in case so anyone 2MR? Would... 2MR? Right? Uh, maybe? I can't remember. Oh, shoot. I'm, sorry. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. No, yeah. I'm for sure. It's CGI records. Cool. I'll have to look them up. That sounds awesome. There's so much good stuff out in the world right now. Especially in Atlanta. You know, surprisingly, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm not from here, so I don't I don't, I don't know the set, the Southern music scene as well as I should. But, yeah, when I got here and people were just, like, showing me, like, all the stuff from, like, Graveface and everything out in Athens in general. And then Atlanta has so many good bands 
Um, Omni. Yeah, we just actually at Paste, we did a list of the 25 best local bands of Atlanta. Mm. And narrowing it down to 25 was yeah. the hardest part. Nice. Because wow. there are so many. And yeah. it, it it also, you know, because we're, we're here, so a lot of them are like friends and stuff. So you yeah. have totally. to be objective. Of right. course. I think, I think we did it. And it wasn't like a ranking by any means because we can't, we're not going to rank right. Right. local musicians. So it's it was definitely just a wonderful thorough list of, you know, everything from Faye Webster to Omni yeah. to Breathers to Dots, D-O-T dot S to, you know, <laughs> all there's there's so much talent here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and so with you saying a couple of those artists, so that means you included everyone that's like signed on any oh, level. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. It doesn't like one of one of the groups on there is the I, I don't know how to word it. I kind of like the the little sister to an old band that doesn't exist anymore, but it's mostly the same people, and they haven't even released an album, but they're incredible, and so we we had to add them. You Who know? is it? Who is it? Oh, God, what are they called? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. It's... Um, the 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 old band is Twin Studies. The okay. new band is Juniper. Oh, Juniper, yeah. Juniper. Well, that's why JJ's back there on the register. He's got a computer. He can look things up for us. Amazing. We appreciate it, JJ. Well, I don't know about all of you, but I could go for a coffee break. So, uh, how about that? You guys all for a coffee break? Yeah, sure. We've been working too hard. <laughs> we need to uh, wind down a little bit. Uh, cool. And then when we come back, we'll play the high fidelity game because I've got a good one for y'all. At Blackstone, we're investing in tomorrow, supporting the companies transforming what it means to be sustainable and the leaders creating a stronger, greener economy as they grow. At Blackstone, investing is about accelerating growth for good. Learn more at blackstone.com slash beyondreturns. It's been a year since my sister Callie died. Now I can't sleep because every time I close my eyes, Callie's there to wake me up. The insomnia's gotten so bad, I'm not sure what's real anymore. There's a shadow living inside my head. It's angry, and I don't think I can stop it. My name is Harper Hart, and I'll see you in your nightmares. Journey into your own subconscious and listen to See You in Your Nightmares now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ingredients for a perfect telenovela. Obviously, you need twins. A rich one. Oh my god, is that a Birkin? And a not-so-rich one. I'm an orphan raised in a poor convent. You need a terrible accident. And mistaken identities. I should just tell the truth about who I really am. Throw in a charming prince. Mi amor, the kid to my cat, the hakuna to my matata. The- a cruel stepmother. You're useless. And a father with dark secrets. Now get out! Oh, and don't forget the nun. Wait, there's a nun? You won't listen to reggaeton. This show has all that and much more. Sonoro and iHeartRadio present a telenovela like you've never heard it before. Princess of South Beach. Beach, Starring Rachel Zegler, Gina Torres, Raul Esparza, Danny Pino, X Mayo, and Yvonne Cole. Listen to Princess of South Beach as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, 
Y'all know the rules. One of us makes up a music-related prompt, and then everyone has to answer in the style of a top five countdown. Okay? Okay. <laughs> Today's prompt is the top five final songs on an album. All right, well, you're our guest, Annie. Yes. So uh, why don't you go first? Oh, gosh. Um. So this was, was hard because... The last song on a record is often something not very memorable. Mm. So I had to do a lot of digging. Um, and then I found that there are some incredible last tracks out there. Um, do I have to do them in order? You want all five at once? I guess the game is that you need to do them in order. Okay. Th- that's how the game works. All start, right. start with number five. Starting with number five. Five, four, three, two, one. And, and we're going to jump okay. in and interrupt you all the time. Beautiful. Because we, I lo- yeah, we I can't love wait to talk about all these things. All right. So number five, it comes off of 2007's The Con by Tegan and Sarah. Nice. The song is Call It Off. Very cool. Number four, um... This one is so obvious, but it's so good. Um, Talking Heads, 1983 album, Speaking in Tongues, This Must Be the Place, The Naive Melody. Yeah. The fact that that's the last song on a record is insane. Well, and let's talk about that for a second. It's fascinating that the last spot on an album, it can be a lot of things, mm-hmm. but it's rare when it is like basically a hit single is yeah. the last track. And yes. it's almost surprising and like you're almost like confused and yeah. you almost want to tell them like, hey, make this like track two. Yeah. <laughs> Especially know? when it's from the days of vinyl's popularity where the other side is the B side, which doesn't get much play. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which I get. It is, I mean, <laughs> saying, the, saying this sentence sounds absurd, but it's a weird song from the Talking Heads. Like it's, <laughs> it's a, they're all weird songs. But yeah. for that album, I mean, it starts with burning, burning Down the House. Like, it's so energetic at the beginning, and then it just goes through and gets weirder and weirder and weirder and weirder. And then ends with the most, like, pleasant, just yeah. naive melody, as, you know, they say. <laughs> and, and I think part of that, too, is David Byrne just, like, not caring about traditional anything. Yeah. No. And so he's not going to think about DJs playing the B-side. Have he's, you read his book? Oh, wait, 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 which one? The orange one. <laughs> <laughs> I can answer that. The orange that. one on my coffee table no, that I've been reading. <laughs> I've read his blue one. Because, <laughs> so, yeah, he's got, a, he's got a few, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, he has one about, like, riding bikes, I think. Yes. And this one is, it's basically his history of music. Oh, interesting. And it's it's fascinating. Like, he starts in, um, like, the 1500s and works his way up. And I've been, I, I was at Astoria and someone asked me if I was taking notes because I was a college student. Because I was, like, <laughs> writing in the college. And I was like, no, it's just a good book. He's yeah. a good writer. God. Okay, continuing. Did, oh, wait, hold on. I have one more big question. Okay. Did, did any of y'all see him when he played here in town recently? <sighs> no. Oh, I made everyone okay, sad. Well, I, I have seen him. I saw him at Shaky Knees uh, oh, in cool. 2017, 18? Nice. 18. I think it was 18. I think it was 18. Because I missed that one. Yeah, and it was amazing. And he's on Broadway now. Did yeah. you know he has a Broadway show? I, I, I saw that show before it went to Broadway when he played it here yeah. at the Fox. I didn't know it was the same show. It was. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, the American Utopia show. Yeah. 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 So what was he doing at Shaky Knees? He was just 
doing a set. Just regular yeah, just rock and he, roll. It I was am like David at eight Byrne. o'clock on yeah, eight o'clock on Saturday night or but something. But it was the like same that. show with the bare feet and yeah, the gray suits. Yeah, right. the gray suits and like the dancing and it's very, you know, Classic. percussion David oriented. Byrne. Very yeah. <laughs> just like he's so weird. He's so cool. Oh, he's, I, he's I love him so much. You know, I didn't learn I learned this very recently. And actually I'm gonna have JJ confirm this because I learned this so recently that I was surprised by it, which was that um, David Byrne has Asperger's. Did you guys know hmm. that? I believe it. I, me too. Like I, I super believe I it. I learned that this year, and when I heard it, I was like, oh. It makes sense. Obviously. People you know? that have Asperger's are so smart. Yes. They're so intelligent. Like, it's like incredible. I've, I've known maybe like mm, three friends of mine that have had Asperger's, and in every regard, I'm like, oh, shit, you're like a superhero. Yeah. And I know there are a lot of downsides, too. Yeah. But like in so many regards, I'm like, you have like powers no, that truly, I don't possess, it's, and it's, it's amazing. such a unique way of thinking through things, and yeah. it's some, if you don't have Asperger's, like – you you'll never understand it. Right. It's it's but they're all everyone I've met that has it. They're just so intelligent. Totally. It's incredible. Uh, can that be confirmed, JJ? Uh, yeah. He in uh, how music works, which That's the is book. the book. There That's you go. The orange book. There you go. <laughs> Tara and I are both both have the goal of reading every single thirty three and a third book, mm-hmm. and we are sadly disappointed very often. <laughs> yeah. Like the, we've we've come across a few. Um, like like one that we both just read or are in the middle of reading is Dusty Springfield, Dusty in Memphis. Okay. And. The author mostly talks about himself, mm-hmm. which is annoying because talk about Dusty Dusty Springfield, please. Yeah. And yeah. then what's the other one you read? Liz Same thing. Fair, Exile in Guyville. Yeah, it's like every time I pick up one of these, it's like we're going to use this as a platform to talk about ourselves which instead is so of silly. the actual album, and I don't want that. Did no. I, um, I, I, I totally might be misquoting myself, but didn't um, John Darnielle write the one on Black Sabbath? I think you're right. Yeah. I think you are I, correct. We have that on our bookshelf at home, and nice. I stare at it, and I'm like, I want but I haven't picked it up yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, on the bright side, they're quick reads. But, yeah. But like Tara just said, when they use it as a platform to talk about themselves, mm-hmm. I didn't pick up the book about some author I've never heard about to hear about their life story. Yeah. I want to hear about Dusty Springfield, please. Luckily, you know? a lot of those mm-hmm. are done by, you know, fellow musicians and journalists that know what they're talking about. But there yeah. is, I have noticed that sometimes it's like... Shut up. Like, I don't just care happens. about you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just happens to be the only two that I've picked up so far. Bummer. Too like bad. <laughs> uh, two that I've really enjoyed that are not like that. One is Bjork's Homogenic, and the other one is Van Dyke Park's uh, Song Cycle. Both of those are nice and informative. And nice. like And, like, go, cool. go, they talk to the, the, the people in the studio, and they talk to the musicians, and they talk to, like— and it's actually like what it's supposed to be in my mm-hmm. head, you know. I'm sure everyone has their own opinion. But anyway, we're we're interrupting your list. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I forgot we're doing the list. <laughs> All right, so number three on the list um, is off of Leon Bridges' "Coming Home" record. It came out in 2015. It is the song "River." Take me to your river. It's legitimately one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard in my life. I've written about this song extensively. We just did our best um, songs of the decade list, and mm. that made our list. And nice. I wrote the blurb for it because I love this song more than anything. And it's another one that you're just like— What are you doing hiding it? Why is this the last song on the record? It's fucking beautiful. How, like, how long is it as a song? Um, It's like three and a half minutes. Yeah, see, I was going to say, like, well, maybe there's the excuse of something like— 
Weezer only in dreams, mm-hmm. which uh, JJ and I were talking about recently. Well, I, well, I know you, Tara, yeah. you brought it up? Yeah. Tara brought it up. <laughs> JJ, JJ was there. <laughs> I was there. But we were talking about that Weezer song, Only yeah. in Dreams. And that, tr- true, that's a great song. And yes, it's the last song. Yeah. But it's also a very long song. So I feel like when you make the last song a long song, it almost gives it like a gravitas. So it like exists. Hold that thought until you get to my list. Oh, okay. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. A three-minute last song. That's yeah. a great song. Yeah. It's surprising. It's it's so subtle and so beautiful like that that's the word i just keep coming back to because it's one of those songs like it it has some religion undertones mm-hmm. but like even if you're not religious in any way shape or form like you feel something from right. this song and it's just it's one of my favorites like out not even for this list not even for the decade just in general just one of my favorite songs of all time that's awesome yeah so moving on we're gonna go to the 70s and this one shocked me and mm-hmm. I was so excited about it because it's also one of my favorite songs partially because I'm from Florida but Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers self-titled debut American Girl American Girl, the Ended song, the record. is the last song. Yes. Ended the record. And uh, yeah. researching this, I have to I have to add this. I'm so sorry. Please. That song didn't chart till the 90s. Really? Mm-hmm. So it was on like a greatest hits or something? And it, that's when yeah, it started charting? Yeah, in 1994, I believe there was a Tom Petty greatest hits record. Um, and that's when it charted for the first time. It was basically like just not... No one talked about it. No one cared. But it's one of the best songs. And it's it's like a perfect rock and roll song, you know? Yeah. And but, so, but I am very surprised that's the final track. That's not the, my memory in my head at all. It's the final track. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's a lot of good good songs on that. Like Break Breakdown, I believe, is on that one. And then there, it's his first record with the Heartbreakers. Um, is Refugee on that one, too? Yeah, it's full of bangers. I think Refugee's on huh? the next one. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, it is. I mean, like, yeah. it's Tom Petty, so it's going to be, every song's going to be a hit. But mm-hmm. it's it's the last song. So that's my number two. Then number one, <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to, to do number one just because it is so obvious. Uh, okay. I think. Can um, I guess? No, no, I, I don't think I can get it. No, like, I want you to, I want you to try. Here, here's what I would guess would be, like, the most obvious last song, okay? Okay. A Day in the Life by the Beatles. That's it. I, 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 yeah. didn't, I didn't know how big of a Beatles fan you were. Yeah. But that, that, that <laughs> yeah. to me. So, I was going to guess a goth song. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, I mean, I, I took this list very seriously. Yeah. I, I put in the time. I did I did the research totally. for this one. And, I mean, that they have the Beatles in general just, like, all of their ending songs yeah. are wild, you know? Well, like, it feels like they're actually saying goodbye yeah, with the final song. Yes, exactly. You know? But then you have, like, I think Abbey Road ends with Get Back, and you're right. just like, wait, what? Like, this should be the starter track on any record if it was, like, anyone else, you know? But, mm-hmm. you know. But A Day in the Life by the Beatles, off, obviously, Sgt. Pepper's out in 1967. It is the 
perfect way to end an album, yeah. I think, ever. No, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And then and other people have kind of done, like, fake versions of it. Yes. Like, um, I think, um, let's see, I'm going I'm to get this wrong, but um, speaking of that song being the last track on that Outcast album, The Love Below, mm-hmm. Andre 3000, he had a song where it said, A Life in the Day. Mm-hmm. Of Benjamin Andre. Okay. And that was an excellent song and yeah. an excellent album closer too. But clearly he's riffing on A Day in the Life oh, yeah. by calling it a life in the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Like that so A Day in the Life is pretty, pretty well known as being probably the Beatles' best song. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, that's, like critics will agree. Like, right, like that's not critics even like, will agree. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> but you're right, like from like a objective point of view yeah. like, like like not subjectively not opinion based objectively. objectively i think that is probably yeah objectively yeah. like we did a best beatles songs of all time list in like 2015 it topped our list like i mean it's just such a good representation of the relationship between John and Paul just because John starts the song and it's trippy as hell and it's just like gloomy and weird and then you go into Paul McCartney's just like I'm you know doing my morning activities brushing my hair whatever (laughs) blah 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 and then it goes back into John's just like insanity and it's just I mean all of Sgt. Pepper's like I just I like I said, I researched a lot of this. Like, the mm-hmm. entire record is basically rooted in drug use, you know, and, like, exploration of doing all of that. And, like, that song—it just does—it's such a good example. Like, anyone that needs to know about the Beatles, you can play A Day in the Life and say, here are the two main songwriters. Here is his style. Here is his style. Oh, yeah. And there you have it. And That, that dichotomy is important. Oh, and you can so important. T- that, that's a really good example. Yeah. An- another example of the dichotomy that I like is when they're doing— um, the lyrics. So Paul goes, uh, I've got to believe it's getting better. It's getting better all the time. Mm-hmm. And then John says, it couldn't get much worse. Yeah. That, that I think, oh is another God. good yeah. example of them. It's as like, like optimism versus pessimism. And, I mean, yeah. everyone makes fun of Paul for, like, oh, he just makes some, like, simple love songs, like, whatever. And John does the weird stuff. And it's like, but the love songs are important, too. You, you, need, you need them both. And if, John if, did if ever, love songs, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, you need salt and sugar. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I'll, I have to say this, too, because I researched it. But, like, the last chord. Oh, the yeah. The E major chord. Oh, yeah. And I learned, this is my fact of the day. It uh-huh. was three pianos and a harmonium. Man, that's so cool. All at the same time. Yeah. Yep, for and, however many long songs. I listened to it on vinyl before I got here because I had to, like, get in the zone, and I was like, that, it's the best song, and I listened to it, like, four times. Well, and also, too, I think that's really important because this was after the Beatles had quit touring. Mm-hmm. So when they were doing wacky shit, like a, a playing one chord that is three pianos and a harmonium, yeah. they didn't have to worry about replicating it live. No. They were just like, this is going to sound the best. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. And, and that's that set a well, precedent for so many people. That— I mean, it took them something, like, ungodly, like, 36 hours to record this one song. Totally. Which is insane. Yeah. But uh, from what I read, and this might have been just on Wikipedia, but David Crosby was apparently there in the (laughs) studio, which I love that. Yeah. Just David Crosby just hanging out. Just hanging out. You know, it's like, (laughs) oh, okay, cool. And he said that it was, like, watching it happen was just, like, he couldn't even handle himself, which I can't imagine. I, I'm a Beatles fan, y'all. I came out as a Beatles fan on on this record store. No, I follow you. I, <laughs> yeah, I love sorry. the Beatles. No, I, I think all music fans 
at least have a strong feeling about the Beatles. Yeah. Even if people are anti-Beatles, I feel like they are probably putting on a little little too much attitude because yeah. the Beatles, it, it's hard to hate the Beatles. Yeah. You know? Anyone that says anything negative about the Beatles, like, I immediately question well, well, their like, motives in life. Exactly. Like, exactly. Mm, what, what are you getting at? Yeah. That you hate the Beatles. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. But, yeah, that's my list. Um Starts off with Tegan and Sarah, who I just saw, actually. They they just did a memoir together. I don't know if you guys are aware of that. And mm-hmm. they did a show where they read parts of their memoir and then played songs that were attached to the memories. That's nice. And it was I like that. beyond. They, they did play um, uh, the Call It Off song. So Very that cool. was cool to see. But, yeah, that was my list, starting with Tegan and Sarah moving through to the Beatles. I love it. That's an excellent list. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Tara, Tara, how about you? What's your list? My list is pretty funny because I feel like most of it is from, like, childhood, high school, and college only. Nothing beyond. (laughs) I also felt like this was a really easy exercise for me because I have memorable ones for myself. Just I knew exactly which ones to go to and just to make sure, like, okay, was this the last song? Yes, it was. I knew it. Boom. That's the one. Well, and and big question for you. Yeah. Yeah. uh, I don't know if you know this, Annie. Tara is a big time DJ, and so when you're doing big, D- <laughs> big time, well, I mean, on paper, you are <laughs> literally, according to the uh, Creative Loafing uh, periodical, the best DJ in Atlanta. Wow! So that's a pretty for big, one year at least. But I'm just saying, <laughs> oh. if, if I can't call that a big time DJ, eh, then I don't know well, what you. what our well, criteria are. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But but, but so as, as a big time DJ, you obviously have to keep a lot of track lists in your head and do all that kind of stuff. So because of that, do you kind of have like a catalog in your mind of like where tracks are, would you say, more than the average person? Not at all. I don't think so because I don't – the songs that I'm playing in the club or whatever venue aren't from – aren't album specific. You know what I mean? Like I'm not thinking about where their placement is in the album. I'm thinking more like how fast is this song? What's the vibe? How long is it? That kind of a thing. So I'm not even really considering like where it belongs in the album or where it lives in the album. So yeah, no. (laughs) Totally didn't even consider that while I was building this list. But it's funny because looking at it, it's mostly like childhood, high school, college, done. (laughs) Would you play any of the songs you're about to say in the club? Maybe one. Okay. And I think you'll know we'll try when to guess. I say it. <laughs> um, all right. So going from bottom to the top, number five is Nirvana in Utero All Apologies. That's on my short list. <laughs> it, did, it, didn't, it didn't make my top five, but that's on my short oh, list. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Yeah. That was a pivotal moment in my life, like getting into this sort of like noise, rock, loud music from um, maybe more. I was into New Wave, I guess, when I was a kid and disco and pop. But Nirvana, that's like when I was tr- starting to rebel. I was like, 14, I guess, when I heard this album. So 14 or 15. But yeah, number five, Nirvana in Utero, All, poly- all Apologies. Oh, and hold on, too, because I have to say that almost three Nirvana albums made it onto mine. Wow. Because Whoa. none of them did. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not spoiling. Though. They made That's... my short list. Because I think Nevermind ends amazingly well. Which one is the last track on that one again? Uh, something in the Way. 
You know, like, oh, like it's all yeah. real slow and mm-hmm. sad, and it feels like the end, yeah. which is I think is important. Yeah. And then For the other sure. one that almost made it from Nirvana was uh, Where Did You Sleep Last Night from the Unplugged album. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, the fact that they ended their show that way, and that's, like, one of the last times, like, the world saw him before he died, and, like, oh, it's just heartbreaking. It's, 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 it's devastating stuff, you yeah. know? Yeah. The next one is going to make everyone giggle, probably. It's Sarah McLaughlin fumbling towards ecstasy. That's uh, the one you play at the club, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but at the end of the song, it's not even the last song. It's like tailed onto it. Maybe it's a hidden track. I don't know if this counts, mm-hmm. but I have other hidden tracks that I like. Oh, I follow you. That I feel like would fit in another list. But I, feel I mean, like I, I think hidden tracks count as the last track, right? Yeah. yeah, and it's a song. It's not just like some extra thing, mm-hmm. snippet or whatever. And it's a piano rendition of Possession, which is on the actual, the same album. And it's so beautiful and it's, it's so tender. I love it. I love it so much. Um, so I, I like when four. artists do that when they almost like sneak in almost like a remix of like yeah, al- almost as like a coda version. Yeah, yeah or like a reprise I think this is the song too maybe JJ can confirm while I'm telling the story that the lyrics are from a letter that she got from a stalker oh really yeah wow yeah kiss you so hard hold you down take your breath away oh shit that's not yeah. good stuff no. <laughs> <laughs> that's bad but that was sort of her way of getting sort of the power back wow yeah I think he did. I think I think the guy killed himself. Actually, oh, no. I'm sorry. This oh. is, yeah, this got dark. But man, like, <laughs> I feel so bad for people with stalkers. I, I actually just yeah. heard, heard a stalker story last night uh, from Grimes. Grimes has a stalker Gosh. that she's dealing with oh, right no. now. I think the moral of the story is being a woman is hard. Yes, there are a lot of creepy men out there. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like, like it's astonishing to talk to a woman about her Instagram mm. messages compared with talking to a man about their Instagram messages. Like, it's insane, the difference. Yeah. Like, like I can count on one finger how many times I've been sent an unsolicited dick pic. Uh, wow. It's I'm actually surprised once. that you have one of those. <laughs> yeah. I, I believe it was a wrong number. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that makes more sense. But then you talk to, like, most women, and it's, like, dozens. And it's, like, that is fucked up. Yeah. I, it's kind of uh, horrible. I don't know what to do about that. There's a reason I'm on private. Yes. <laughs> Completely yeah, understandable. Sure. So that was number four. So mm-hmm. number three is Portishead Dummy Album, and nice. the song is Glory Box. That era, I feel like... So that, that whole mid to late 90s, they really wanted to end on a pow. Like, the, like it's kind of like what you were saying before, like the the big, like, yeah. epic ending, you know? Such a really beautiful and just empowering song. Give me a reason to be a woman. Truly. <laughs> Actually follows that previous topic All the really stalker well. stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I did have a trip hop party at Mary's this past weekend. Nice. Which nice. got some of this... This song played. I'm, I'm going to ask you. But this is not the song. Still, oh, okay, it still isn't still the club not song. The club song. I'm going to no. ask you if you played my favorite trip hop song, and I know the answer is no. Did you play "Rabbit in Your Headlights" by Uncle? Yes, we did. What? Yes. Yes. Speaking <laughs> of so with exciting. the music video. Oh, I love that. 
<laughs> Off topic, but yeah. speaking of trip hop, did y'all see Moby's new tattoo? Yes. Oh, what is it? Well, first it's... of all, Tara, did you see Moby's first new tattoo? <laughs> no. Okay. Now the, I'm scared. I'm, I'm going to jump back yeah. a week and then speaking you talk about the new stalkers. one. Okay. Yes. Moby's <laughs> new tattoo a month ago was he got the words on his neck in huge, big black letters, vegan for life. Oh, gosh. Yes. Okay. And everyone was like, what are you doing? And he's I've like, heard his restaurant is really good. Absolutely. I, I'm sure it's good. But that is a very goofy tattoo for anyone to get. Yes. And then the one he just announced a couple days ago. It's completely down the, f- not not even the inside of his arm, the outside of his arm. It just says from shoulder to hand, animal on one side, and then the other side, rights. Animal rights. And it's wow. just. Enormous. I don't, did he get it? Filled in? No. Is he going to get it filled in? I don't in? know. Right now, it's just the outside. It's just the outline. Oh, and Kat Von D did it. Really? Well, <laughs> I can only assume that because she was tagged. Wow. But she's also vegan. Yeah. Yeah. It's but just so surprising and weird. It was for his, like, 32nd vegan anniversary, which yeah. I mean, I will, I, as, as a vegan, I, I will it. say, holy shit, that's incredible. Absolutely. But also, mm, bad idea for the tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Not great. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. He's, it's, it's he's a, passionate about veganism. It's an odd choice. <laughs> it's a really odd choice. <laughs> <laughs> so that was number three, Portisette. And then number two is <laughs> Prince. Purple, yes, motherfucking rain, yes. Yeah. That w- yeah. that was on my my short list, and then yeah. I was like, no, nah, so much. I need something new. So that's where we got the Leon Bridges. But totally, yes, perfect song. Absolutely. Oh, and that's the one that you play. Yes, in the club. yes. That yes. Makes this sense. is the last song you're about to leave the club. Sing along with everyone else who's still drunk and standing, and the lights are on, and we're all being passionate together kind of a song. (laughs) It really is. Well, and also, this is something I was doing research on Purple Rain a little while ago, and I was so surprised when I found out that the last three songs, I Would Die For You, Baby I'm a Star, and then Purple Rain, are all recorded live. What? Yes. I I knew, I think I knew that Purple Rain was recorded live. I did not know that about the other two. All three of them were recorded at at a concert, and then um, they they, um, cleaned it up and put a couple, like, overdubs on in the Mm -hmm. studio later. But, like, how did you even just get the audience to shut the fuck up? (laughs) Like, how? Yeah. I mean, um, come on. When you're listening to that song live, you probably are just, like, mouth wide open, eyes wide open, just, like, in shock and just in amazement by the song. It's astonishing. It's so good. And it wasn't even written originally for that movie. Yeah. Um, It didn't make the list of, here's the songs for the soundtrack. And then I think during filming... Um, the director heard that and was like, "No, this is the one. This this is the one that has to be in there," which is really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Number one. Drum roll. Sonic Youth. Wait, can I guess? Speaking yes. of Thurston Moore. <laughs> um, this is gonna be off washing machine. Yes. I knew it. So so Diamond C. <laughs> Diamond C. Yeah. Which is why I was like, hold your thought about the length of that song because yeah. this is what, like 23 minutes long? Something like something that. Like I think that. depends on the version, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I 
love Diamond Sea so much. Even my high school boyfriend and I, we considered that like our song. It's a really sweet song. It's an epic song. I don't actually know what it means, the lyrics at all. (laughs) I I couldn't tell you what any Sonic Youth song means. It It has a feeling like it's meant to be like, Sweet. Yeah. So I agree with that. I love mm-hmm. it so much. That. That's an and epic one. I'm a Sonic Youth super fan, so that's why it's number one. <laughs> that's another one on my short list. That that, that one I I'm glad I cannot believe that didn't make your list. I well I, I can't wait to hear what you want to hear my is. list. Yeah, okay. not on it. Because yeah, that, that one was really close. Um your number well, actually both your number ones were on my short list, which Amazing. is um yeah, Day in the Life and Diamond Sea. So here's my list. Cool. Ready? Okay. Number five. Um we were talking about them earlier. The Other Side of Mount Heart Attack from the 2006 Liars album, Drums Not Dead. If you, need okay. you, you guys remember this moment? Mm, no. <laughs> More or less, when, no. when that song happened, it was the first time that Liars had released, like, a traditional song structure, I would dare to say pop song. And the fact that they had spent the first, like, oh, I don't know, three or four albums leading up to that being just, like, noise and aggressive and no wave, and suddenly they wrote, like, this, like, single, you know, for, like, the first time ever. And mm-hmm. I've, I've heard the rumor, I'm not sure if I entirely believe it because it's a bit too convenient, that um, after Karen O wrote Maps mm-hmm. for Angus, yeah. he wrote this song, The Other Side of Mountain Heart Attack, for Karen O as, like, a response. Okay. I don't believe that story because it's a bit too convenient. Yeah. But that's a, that's a story I've been told. Okay. But, I wonder uh, if that story is in Meet Me in the Bathroom. Oh, I, I've read that book. I don't believe it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then it's not true, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> You're right. Uh, so that's my number five. Uh, number four, um, I fucking love this song. And this is, I think, in the <laughs> same world as when we were talking about, like, what is this single doing at the end of the album? Mm-hmm. So, long title. Swerve, the reaping of all that is worthwhile, noir notwithstanding, from the 2011 Shabazz Palace's album, Black Up. Now if you talk about it, it's a show. But if you move about it, then it's a go. Now if you talking about it, it's a show. Okay. I love Ishmael Butler. Like back from his Diggable Planets days, uh, with, with Knife Nights, uh, now with um, Shabazz Palace's. He is just one of my favorite MCs and most creative, I think, people in the hip-hop world in general. And when Black Up came out, I feel like it was just such, like, an unearthly vibe for the entire album from top to bottom. And the fact that he ends it with this, like, perfect little pop pocket of a gem deliciousness, it's like, what, what's, what you hiding it for, buddy? Mm-hmm. And my guess is, this is me jumping into his head and making wild assumptions, it's that... Um, he wrote basically a quote-unquote like concept album sonically where it's almost like, oh, everything has perfect place feeding from one into the other. This drone goes into that drone. This mm-hmm. this peak goes into that valley, et cetera, et cetera. And then he's like, damn it, I also wrote a single. <laughs> uh, put it at the end. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like – Surprise. He, so he still got everything he wanted in there. Yeah. That, that would be my guess. Can I tell you just like anytime I hear the name Shabazz Palaces mm-hmm. – I think of my one shining moment at Big Ears. Ooh. I hung out with Stephen O'Malley from Sun O. Or I say Sun O because, hello, yeah, it's yeah. what it looks like. I mean, I'm not supposed to. Sun O, parentheses, parentheses, parentheses. I don't know. Well, how is it pronounced? I, I, sun. I, it's just Sun. Just Sun? Yeah. But, but, okay. but we all understand exactly what we're talking about because that's yeah. how we say it out loud. Yeah, it's how, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get judged for it. It's fine. Whatever. That, that's what O'Malley I would say, too. Stephen hung out with me at the Shabazz Palace's show at Big Ears. That's it so was cool. a fun time. That is very cool. Uh, what, what year would this have been? Gosh, I don't know. 
2016, 2017. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's good times. Yeah. Man. Uh, My number number three, and I was surprised no one said this one. This is one where I was like, oh, this is such an obvious one, Mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm glad I get to say it. Wow, I just realized something. All three of our lists are entirely separate. We did not overlap in our actual five. That's pretty cool. surprising. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, this is one that I, I, I could have sworn someone was going to say it before me, which is Rock and Roll Suicide from the 1972 David Bowie album. <gasps> The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. I looked at I looked at some Bowie records to make my list too, because I mean, yeah, he, yeah. He, same same concept as David Byrne. Like he's got to throw something in weird at the end. Oh, totally. So, yeah. yeah, and and so I think that is a big. It's a big moment in his career, mm-hmm. a big moment in the love of David Bowie in general. But the fact that he ended his Ziggy Stardust character with a audible suicide in many ways yeah. was just such like, an odd, striking thing. And like, well, whenever like there's that concert film where he ends it with that mm-hmm. and the album ends with that. Mm-hmm. And like apparently on that tour, he ended with that song a lot where it's just sort of like this is the final song. This, yeah. is, this is how it ends. And I just think it's really cool that he like – was able to take his inspiration and mold it into an ending that is actually fitting and worthwhile and works in the structure of what he was trying to do. It's like, hey, buddy, you did it. Yeah, (laughs) you could argue that he did that with himself, too, with Blackstar. Oh, my gosh, yes. You truly could argue that he knew. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's devastatingly true and sad, but yeah, 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 you're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Anyways. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Number... Two, um, I cannot stress enough that if anyone hasn't heard this song, I insist that you listen to it as soon as possible. Dance Nine from the 2009 Philip Glass album, In the Upper Room. Do any of y'all listen to Philip Glass? I've seen Philip Glass a big year. Oh, that's killer. <laughs> wow. How was how he performing? Oh, was my he God. He was with piano? Ray Anderson. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It that's was amazing. Perfect. That's it was exactly beautiful. what you want. It was so perfect. Was he sitting behind a piano, though? Yes. Oh, damn it. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm not familiar with Philip Glass. I've heard the name, but I've never listened. I mean, he's contemporary classical. Okay. And he, he, um, the thing I love about him most is that he loves repetition. He mm-hmm. goes repetition all day, every day. And that's okay. like his vibe. And a lot of people shit on him for that because no one else in, you know, contemporary classical mm. music. Terry Riley. No, no, I'm saying that, that gets like mainstream <laughs> attention. Oh gets that because I feel like Terry Riley gets to live on the fringes and yeah. people leave him alone that's true whereas Philip Glass he'll do like a score for like Steve the Reich? hours mm, is Steve uh, Steve Reich's definitely more popular than Terry Riley but yeah. is he as popular as Philip Glass I don't know I don't know either. But, but but I guess my point is is that I feel like people in the mainstream hear glimmers of Philip Glass, so they turn him into a punchline because he's just barely too weird for them. Kind of like Bjork, mm-hmm. where, where jerks in the mainstream are like, oh, look at her swan dress. I'm like, dude, that's like not even like 1% of the weirdest shit she's done. Y'all yeah. are dumb. Look it up, you know? Especially now. <laughs> exactly. No, she, she's <laughs> like, if y'all are making fun of a swan dress, you guys don't know anything about Bjork. Y'all are dumb. Anyway, Philip Glass... Dance Nine. <laughs> um, this was from a uh, thing he did, I believe, in 1986, where he did a uh, collaboration with Twyla Tharp, 
And mm. it's just one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard, period. Dance Nine from In the Upper Room. There's two recordings of it out there. Both are good. I like the original one better. But anyway. So, wait, hang on. Yes. Just tracking. It was yeah. for Twyla Tharp, the choreographer. Yes, exactly. Okay, yeah. okay. He, he collaborated with Twyla Tharp to do a actual like show in a you know a room. Okay. <laughs> you know. Okay. And then just he, like Sufjan did with New York City Ballet recently. Exactly. Okay. And then, Sufjan Stevens. Sorry, I'm in first name basis with him. You of know, course. we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but then just like what Sufjan did, because mm-hmm. I'm friends with him too. Yeah, <laughs> so, he's our buddy. <laughs> he, he then uh, released it as a as an yeah. album later. Yes. And it's funny because, like I said. Um, while the little movements from this would come out over the years on different compilations, mm-hmm. the actual full thing that he made with Twyla Tharp in 1986 didn't come out on album until 2009. Okay. So epic. Anyway, anyway. Yeah, I will definitely listen to that because if it was for Twyla Tharp, it's going to be out of this world beautiful. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And then my number one, I'm so happy I get to say these all these words out loud. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Number one. Triumph of a Heart from the 2004 Bjork album, Medulla. Wow. I'm so happy because because wow. here's the thing I love about, well, first of all, I just, I love Bjork. Bjork is. Who doesn't? She's the greatest. Yeah. She's the greatest. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing I love about that song on that album, which is, okay, Medulla, I'm not going to call it a difficult album because that implies I don't like it, but it's definitely not... Challenging. Yes. It's you de- could say it's challenging. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's something where you can't just put it on in the background. No. It's it, the bad child. Yeah. Yeah. It, it needs your attention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it demands attention. Yeah. Not your favorite. <laughs> but but you, you appreciate its but you gusto. Still love- yes. And um, <laughs> But the thing that I love about that album and particularly that song on that album is that it is challenging and it does demand your attention. Attention. And then in the end, it's just a fucking jam where she's just fucking beatboxing and dancing, and it's like <laughs> a fucking like radio hit at the end of this. And almost, it's almost like, um, okay, do uh, I, I don't need ice cream anymore, so I'm gonna get all these words wrong. Ready? Okay. Drumsticks? Are those those like freezer yeah. ice cream cones? Yeah, those are the cones with the chocolate at the bottom it's and the, the nuts and whatnot. This song is the chocolate at the bottom Ooh. where oh. it's like you're going through it, you're going through it, you're enjoying yourself. And then at the very end, there's like a little treat hidden in the bottom. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what's this? Fantastic. Yum, yum, yum. These Amazing. are like all, all our lists are the drumstick apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, it's uh, a great and, analogy. And, and that is my list as well. <laughs> but, but yes. So anyway, I, I am so happy with how that went. Like we all had, I think, great lists and none of them overlapped and they were also different too yes yeah like we all we all picked from different decades and genres and it was awesome vibes that was epic all right well i'm (laughs) I'm worn out from our lists we got to go take another coffee break (laughs) and then i guess we should start closing up the store like the last thing we'll have to do is uh actually um stock the employee recommendation rack but uh but anyway let's let's take a coffee break for now At Blackstone, we invest to transform treatment, helping bring life-saving products to patients, supporting the scientists and technology advancing new medicines. From buildings to beakers to bedside, at Blackstone, investing is about accelerating growth for good. Learn more at blackstone.com slash beyondreturns. I asked what kind of family she wanted. She said, a family like yours. Learn more about adopting a teen at adoptuskids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? 
Is this tree good for climbing? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Safe gun storage saves lives. Learn how to make your home safer at nfamilyfire.org. That's nfamilyfire.org. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. Last thing we have to do is stock the employee recommendation rack. Uh, Tara, what, what's your addition this week? I got you. For the last, like, month, I've been re-obsessed with everything but the girl. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> as you can tell by my social media. Um, so my recommendation is the 1996 album Walking Wounded. That's awesome. I love it. So it's so cool. <laughs> it's after the album that had missing on it, not that one. Just in case you're wondering. It's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> what, a, what a great addition to our stack. Uh, hey JJ, how about you? What, what you got for our employee recommendation shelf? Um, yeah. So I was just trying to think like dark wave, um, and I'm not like the most well versed in dark wave, but uh, a buddy of mine just put out a record that's like dark wave adjacent. Um, his name's, or he records under the name Reduction Plan, and I wish I could pronounce the name of the album. Um, it's like, I'll spell it out, it's parentheses A-E and parentheses M-A-E-T-H. I don't... (laughs) Say it it one more time, say it one more time. I'm gonna write it down while you say it. It's like E-Math? Say it again. Parentheses A-E and parentheses... M-A-E-T-H. Whew, that is a hard word. That's like Welsh or something. Yeah, I don't... Math Welsh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm sorry. But Math um, Welsh. Ameth? I'm going to say Ameth. Yeah, yeah, sounds good to me. That's hey, you know, full disclosure, <laughs> buddy of mine, but he's been making like really great uh, dark wave adjacent music for a minute now. Nice. Maybe it's like a one word like curse or something, and you just curse someone. That's or something. Fun. <laughs> if someone actually had that power, that's pretty cool. <laughs> good for them. All right, uh, the one I'm going to put up there. Um, it's the Mad Lib Medicine Show box set, aka the Brick. Is audio playback engineer determined to be the most accurate? Say again. Welcome. Jesus, your beat is cut in pieces like pizzas. When he grabbed the mic. So this was like a, a numbered collection of 13 Mad Lib albums that were all put out between 2010 and 2012. And all of the odd numbers were production-based records. And all of the even numbers were like DJ mixes. And I just love this box set. Like, I, I love Mad Lib more than anything. But the fact that... He gave me, like, these 13 albums in a row that I love every single one. And it, it felt almost like a magazine being delivered to me because he was trying to do them once a month. He fell behind. But I just love this whole collection, and I just love everything Mad Lib ever touches. And Tara, actually, I have, a, I have another DJ question for you. Hit me. Okay. <laughs> so Mad Lib is, like, my favorite musician. Well, one of my favorite musicians. I can't put that big 
comments in the world. But Madlib's definitely amongst my, like, very tip-top of favorite musicians. But when he plays live, he almost exclusively does DJ sets. Like, that's what he does. Mm. Unless he's performing with someone. Like, if Mm -hmm. he's doing, like, a tour with Freddie Gibbs, then he'll, like, be with Freddie Gibbs. But when he goes solo, he just does DJ sets. Yeah. And whenever he plays anywhere near here, he'll do a DJ set and he'll be like, oh, okay, and to come see my DJ set, it's, like, 70 bucks. And in my head... Even though I love him, I'm like, $70 to watch someone do a DJ set? Yeah. I don't know how to feel about that. Tell me your DJ opinion. I saw Mad Lib DJ set Uh in Chicago for Pitchfork, but it was like an after party or something. Uh And it was special because they were like hand-pressing records there. So you get to pick whichever cover you wanted. Or not hand-pressing, sorry, hand-printing. Like the Hand-pressing the records was, that would be a huge deal. But like, no, uh, hand-screen printing the actual covers of Uh the vinyls that they were selling. Um, So you got to choose which one you wanted. But also, while he was DJing, um, the singer for Flock, uh, Future Island. Future Island. I Sorry, knew I it. Flock of Seagulls. What the fuck? I know exactly yeah, what yeah, era you're talking about. He rapped. <laughs> yes, Hemlock Ernst is his rap name. Yes. Yeah, it was yes. actually really epic. No, I, I, I know. I, I, not only do I know exactly what era you're talking about, I have a copy oh, of wow. that that pick your own screen print record. I wasn't at that show. How did you do that? I bought it online. What? Yes. Someone sold their copy. Exactly. Um, and I was actually kind of disappointed because I saw the other covers and mine's actually pretty boring <laughs> compared Aww. to the other ones. <laughs> but, oh, but, but, but so, so my question stands. So oh. when you saw Mad Lib, was were people paying attention? Were people watching him like watching a concert, or were they were treating him like background music? What what were they doing? Um, I feel like we were watching. I feel like we were all watching. And then in that, except s- for we saw, um, oh my god, um, Noah Bombach, Linux guy. Noah Lennox. Oh, oh, Panda Bear. Panda Bear. Thank oh, you. I kept yeah. wanting to say dear. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, he was like behind, so like a few of us were like, oh. That's oh my so gosh, cool. there is, there is. <laughs> That's fun. So, but yeah, I'm pretty sure we we're all paying attention because we got in there special to see him. So right. It was like an after party. Oh, that's so, so cool. So only people who cared to see him wanted to, to be there. I could see that. But I don't think it was, yeah, it wasn't $70 or anything like that. So <sighs> I think that also like DJ sets are, it's, you're not just standing there watching someone, you know, scratch records. Like mm-hmm. it's an experience. Yeah, There's a lot going on. Like while Pitchfork was going on in Chicago that same, was it the summer? Uh, it was a few years a ago. Few years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, Pitchfork Festival. No, excuse me. Lollapalooza in Chicago happens the same weekend as Oceaga in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And I was in Montreal this summer for Oceaga, and I saw Chemical Brothers. Oh. And it was oh like the sickest God. thing ever. And I'm not like I like Chemical Brothers, but I don't know much about them. Like, right. When they were popular, I. I was young. <laughs> but it wasn't a DJ set, right? Like, they usually do it, some live it elements. Was, it was a DJ set, was it? but what? they had so much going on on top of that. Like, the graphics and the visuals were just, like, out of this world. And it was captivating. Like, no one could look elsewhere. So I think that, I mean, everyone paid lots of money to be at this music festival. Right. And... The, they were definitely the biggest draw of the night that they happened. And so Gosh, I, I could justify, I mean, if you do the math, like you might be spending $70 to see this one specific set. So yeah. I could justify it if it's more going on. Yeah. I love it, man. For I, me, it depends on who it is. But I feel like Mad Lib. 
gets a pass for yeah. a seventy dollars yeah. DJ set. Yeah, 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 I agree, but but see, I think the part that makes me hesitant is I don't know if the rest of the audience is going to kind of like give mm-hmm. him the same reverence that I demand of me paying $70 to watch Mad Lib DJ. Yeah. It's like I know that I'm going to go there and enjoy every second of it and and pay attention and just just absorb everything. But other people, if they're there, yeah. just, oh, it's just DJ set. And they're like just rich people or just like buy $70 tickets on a or whim. Or like <laughs> they pay the $70 and you're the super fan that's actually listening, but they're like, blah, 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 blah. Oh. We're just like, we've had this conversation before. Yes. It's kind of crotchety about concerts. Like, don't touch me. Don't talk. Yeah. Those are I good rules. See, yeah. You should Absolutely. print that on a t-shirt. Oh, I, I have I have a very specific list. <laughs> Well, I guess it's time to actually close the store now. But um, but yeah, thank you everyone for coming. Uh, hey, Annie, thanks for coming in today. Yeah, thanks so much. Please come hang out with us anytime you feel like it. Uh, but the store is officially closed. So uh, happy trails, everyone. Until we meet again. Record Store Society is hosted by Tara Davies and Seth Nicholas Johnson. If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to recordstoresociety at iheartmedia.com. Or you can find us on all your favorite social media sites with the handle at Record Store Society. Record Store Society is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Addiction is a disease that impacts all of us. Whether you, your neighbor, friend, or family member is struggling, everyone feels the pain of addiction. Recovery Centers of America, Monroeville, wants you to know that addiction treatment works and recovery is possible. Call 1-888-RECOVERY-NOW for help for yourself or a loved one. Recovery Centers of America have helped thousands of patients across the United States and here in Western Pennsylvania start a better, healthier way of life through their evidence-based in inpatient and outpatient treatment programs. The caring team of physicians and clinicians at Recovery Centers of America see their patients as so much more than their addiction and are deeply committed to providing expert care with heart. Recovery Centers of America knows that every day in active addiction is a day in isolation, which is why they admit new patients 24-7 year-round. Don't wait. Make the call that can change everything. Call 1-888-RECOVERY-NOW. My name is Kristen Nobles, and I am the host of a new podcast called Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine. I have been chronically ill for over 20 years, and a doctor told me she believed that my breast implants were causing an autoimmune disease that was attacking my body. That is when I learned about breast implant illness. This disease is not my fault. I am not going to allow BII to define who I am. Listen to Close to the Chest with Kristen and Christine every Wednesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The reviews are in, and audiences agree. iHeartRadio's number one podcast, Aftershock, is the show you need to binge. Michaela, She's not going to make it to the mainland by herself. Five stars. I love it. It's hard to find a podcast that is truly immersive, and this one takes the cake. Ask me if I care who died on that island. The Art of a Roller Coaster. So many ups and downs, twists and turns, five stars. Someone's running towards us. Get to the boat now. Has me at the edge of my seat. Everyone that hears me listening to it stops to listen and then subscribes themselves. You owe me 
After what you did, you owe me the truth. Heart-stopping, and the cast. I can't wait for more. This place is gonna collapse. Straps us in and makes us think we're coasting along, and we're really racing to an abrupt end. You're gonna come with me, and we are gonna take you apart, piece by piece. Aftershock, starring Sarah Wayne Callies, David Harbour, and Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Come to the island and binge the series everyone is talking about. Follow it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All quotes taken from actual user reviews.